You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Um, last week, before I get started, last week we, well, we kind of been, this church has been sweeping things under the rug, Corinthians. Let's start there. They've been hiding things and haven't been addressing things. And we've been slowly addressing some of the things that Paul addresses with the church. And one of these things last week, amongst greed, amongst other things, was sexual immorality. And I just want to name it because at the end of last week, there was a God-given heaviness at the end of the service. And let me say this in a non-guilt, shame, judgy way. It was clear that whether it was greed or whether it was some other things, but likely around sexual immorality in whatever form it takes place, that was affecting or had affected many in this room. It's actually hard to get to the last song. And many of us spoke to you agreed with that. They just almost need to sit and let God be God in that. Heal some things, convict us of some things. In fact, many people reached out to me this week with a story like that. Um, and I'm not much, my, I know it touches people when they don't just tell me after church, they text during a week. That's not a call. You don't have to do that. But if it's still on their mind by Wednesday or Thursday, I know the Holy Spirit's stirring. And so can I just say, can we just not, we're not going to talk about this morning, but can we not just not change the channel and just go to the next Sunday? If God spoke to you about something that needs healing or needs some work, find, as we spoke about last week, find that trusted community. That wasn't just good advice, find some people that are in your corner that will work through with you and that you can work with them. Is that all right? Don't just make it last week's program. (laughs) That was nice. Gee, I felt convicted. Hope it's a bit lighter this week. Hope it's about mums. That way I don't have to think about that stuff. And you're right, it will be a bit lighter this morning. (laughs) But don't let what God asked you, don't let... five more years float by and then you're like that's right i remember i was convicted on that make the change not alone with god and with each other amen reach out please there is no yeah reach out come and have a chat to me have a coffee i'm there's no this is not trying to this is trying to clean the house as the corinthians book is trying to do clean the house so we can get on with the mission hey it's good So I guess what we're going to talk about, a couple of weeks ago we spoke about, it's about Jesus, his kingship. We spoke about, it's Jesus' mission, his kingdom, and we talked about kingdom participation. And I guess we're going to touch on that this morning. Um, when we sort of, um, well, we'll get to that, but let me read and we'll expand. So 1 Corinthians 8, you can read on your phones or you can read up here. We'll start here. Now, food, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in this world. So he's admitting an idol is just an idol. It's nothing of any importance to us because we know the true God, that there is no God but one, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from all things who came from and whom we live. 
And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through all things come and through all whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificed food, they will think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we did not eat and no better if we do. And here a bit of confusion here. Some people are feeling guilty about eating food that's been offered to idols. Some people are like, well, the idol has no power. God has the power. I can eat whatever I like. This is happening within the church. There's confusion. There's greyness in the church. Like, what do we do here? Be careful, however, that the exercise of your right does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in the idol's temple, won't that person be embroiled and to eat what is sacrificed to gods? Or to idols, sorry. So this a weak brother or sister from whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if I eat because my brother or sister, if I my eat if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. So I will not cause them to fall. So we've been in this series in Corinthians where we've been looking at some hardline stuff, some stuff that needs to be swept, cleaned out of the cleaned out of the church, not swept, cleaned out. We're talking about hardcore division in the church, and we spoke there's no room for that, there's no time for that. We've got a mission to get on with. We've spoken about greed, we've spoken about sexual morality. So there's no room for that. It distracts us from the mission. Your vices, your addictions clogs you and you, we can't even get on with it that's what corinthians is talking about but then there's things as you go right he's the king i want to participate in the kingdom but then there's things that are confusing that have a bit more nuance to them that are not as clear to use an example from corinthians as incest is wrong there's things that you're like i'm not sure like am i doing the right thing am i doing the wrong thing for these guys it was i want to eat food oh no it's been given to idols, but I know idols hold no power, but if the person I'm eating with doesn't know and they feel guilty, causing them guilt, <laughs> and they're like, do I eat? And Paul goes, I'm just not eating meat. That's one way. But there's a bit of nuance. There's a bit of greyness in this. It's not, what do we do? How do we approach this? Can I give you some examples? You might be puffed up with knowledge where you go, I know Jesus turned water into wine. Therefore, in your knowledge, you're like, I'm okay having a beer. However, you might be having a beer with someone that alcoholism destroyed their life. What do you do? Some choose to never drink. Some choose to drink. It's, they're not either. is not wrong. Jesus brought alcohol, wine, to a wedding. We have to sit in that greyness. However... I don't want to cause a brother to, or sister to stumble. Absolutely not. There's greyness. Tell you a little bit about my work at the uni. I'm a multi-faith chaplain. That doesn't mean I have a multi-faith. That means I talk to students of all faiths and no faiths. But part of my responsibility is making sure, and I haven't actually been down there, but occasionally the Islamic prayer rooms get messy my job is to make sure they're clean. I don't clean them, but I go make sure they're clean. And you know what? It wouldn't be the worst thing if they saw a Christian cleaning their prayer room, serving them. But, but what if they're praying? 
and I'm there. What if I accidentally hear one of their prayers? It's very, some people, even here, might be feeling quite annoyed by the fact that I even go near those rooms. That's okay. Some people would be what I've been praying about as I discern, going, what an opportunity to be Jesus to them. But it's, 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 it's got nuance to it, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's got to, you've got to seek discernment. What if, you're, what if you're witnessing to a friend and they go, hey, come to this gym class with me and you guys go along and then they do some yoga poses. Yoga in the central, it's tradition, is yoga, it's connecting yourself to an, an entity, a spirit. 100%, there's no denying that knowledge. However, you're in the class and they're doing yoga poses and you're not praying to that deity you know you're not probably going to take up yoga at home. <laughs> but what do you do? Do you stomp out, go, I can't believe this, no one knows what you're doing, cannot believe you invite me to such sinful places, and you storm out, and that person never thinks about coming to church ever again because you've got a relationship with them. And they don't understand because they've got no knowledge, you're building them up. Or do you do the yoga pose? This is the nuance. I'm not looking for answers. This is the stuff that should, doesn't need to divide us. But he's a little grey. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? You might have what well, you think about your example of that. We li- we got to live in a broken world. I love the quote. Someone said, like people are always finding evil things in movies. Some Christians pride themselves on finding every satanic evil thing in a movie, and you can almost find it in everything, because this world is broken. So that means, therefore, I'd never get to go outside or see a movie ever again or see anything ever again if I believed I was never allowed to exist in a broken world. But we have to bring the kingdom. So there's nuance and there's grayness. And so I want to speak to that today. Whether you agree on anything I've just spoke about is not the point. It's how do we participate in the kingdom? How do we live in that nuanced time? How do we live where we all have different strong convictions? And I want to use a certain person or character to help us do that this morning i want to talk about these people mums to help us understand kingdom participation knowledge puffs up but love builds up how do we build not just know heaps of things Before I talk about mums, I want to acknowledge something. Some people won't come to church this morning because we're going to talk about mums. Because it brings so much hurt. I'm going to talk about broad strokes of mums. But here's the reality. There'll be people in this room that this brings a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of hurt, a lot of distance. And you might have just not had a good mum. Might have had a really broken mum. I want to acknowledge that. I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to pretend that goes away. But I want to, I want to take from Paul again, because in Thessalonians he says this, and I love this, and it kind of, this justified me using mums, to be honest. I said, thank you, Paul. If Paul can do it, I'm allowed. Um, he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, 8, he says, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. 
Paul is saying there in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, he's going, hey, the church and God can have an element of your mother, of that nurturing compassion. So for those here that have hurt or loss around mothers, let us, the church, be that element for you. Let God fill that void for you. Let God heal and restore that for you. Paul is saying, the church, let the church get around you, love you, nurture you. Later on, he goes to talk about dads, but it's not Father's Day. Compassion, it says God is full of compassion, comes from the same word as womb. Let God fill that void. Let God be that good, good father. And let this church get around you. But I just want to acknowledge that as I use some broad strokes about mothers today, I understand that's not everyone's experience and I pray for healing. And I just pray for closeness and more of God's presence for you this morning as you may be hurting or sitting through that. So my first mum sort of framing, three of them today, is when we're looking at the nuance and the greyness of the world, I've got this one. Don't forget to give your mum a call. It's Mother's Day. If you can, don't forget to give your mum a call. That's something my dad will say to me. Have you called your mum? Don't forget to give your mum a call. I said, I have, Dad, of course. Don't forget to call your, call your mother. You know she'd like it. Not just on Mother's Day. And it turns out, who would have thought, mums are pretty handy to call. When you're young, mums have a, again, broad strokes, but mums have this, I don't know if it's a spiritual gift, it's not a spiritual gift, of just knowing where everything is. And the kids know it. Our kids, since I've been very young, will run past me to ask mum where something is. I'll be joining him because I'm looking for something. Even stuff she has no right knowing where it is. Have you seen my left shoe? The one with a hole in it? Oh, that's... So there's those basic needs when they're young. But as you get older, you, turn, you find out that your mum, your parents, have actually lived life as well. And they carry... I know it's crazy. They carry wisdom and life experience as well. So it turns out you talk to your mum and you tell her about something she, you think as a kid she'll never understand. And as you grow older, hopefully you realise that they offer incredible wisdom and thoughts into this. I've talked to my mum about stuff here at the church. She's in challenges and encouragements and she's grown up around Christians and churches and offers extreme wisdom. And shame on me, I end the call sometimes and go, I should have thought of just calling mum long before that. I know dad's the same again. We'll get to Father's Day, don't worry. It's Mother's Day. But I'm going to twist on this because we're talking about discernment in the world and so I'm going to say number one point here is don't, forgive to give the, don't forget to give the Holy Spirit a call. When it comes to doing yoga at a fitness class or drinking a beer at a bar or walking into an Islamic prayer room, when you need to discern, when you need to know what to do, don't go to Google first. Don't go to ChatGPT first. Don't even go to your friends. Even, dare I say, don't go to your mum first. The first point in discerning this nuance, this grey world that we exist in, is go to the counsellor. Go to the one that Jesus says, I'm going so I can leave this, him, the Holy Spirit. This is what Corinthians says about 
giving the Holy Spirit a call. It says, 1 Corinthians 2 says this, And so it, with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. How's that? He's saying, I don't have this, all the eloquence in the world. This is Paul, all the wisdom in the world. As I proclaim to you, though, the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. He sounds like a guy that lives in that nuance, that knows he's not eloquent, knows he's not perfect at speaking, knows he doesn't communicate perfectly all the time, but he's there because of Jesus. My message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of what the Spirit's power. So that my faith might not yet rest on human wisdom. Don't let it rest on human wisdom. Don't let it rest just on Google. Don't let it rest on ChatGPT. Great tools. Don't let it rest. But on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We know we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden, and a God destined for to to our glory became time before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord on that day. Or crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for us, for those who love him. It continues, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Can you see Paul pushing? Come on, call the spirit. Make it the first thing you ask in the day. Spirit, help me today. I'm going out into a world that is confusing, destructive. Every turn I make is a, a sermon given from this world. Spirit, be with me. Help me discern. I'm walking into things that people in the church may not even 100% agree with, but I don't know. I also want to witness this person. I don't know. Spirit, give me wisdom. That is what Paul is saying. In this moment, give me wisdom. This food looks like it could have been given to idols, but it looks tasty, and this person's offered me a meal. Do I eat it? Do I not? Spirit, give me wisdom. Help me. The temptation of this world, I know it, is to Google. We, Google is spoken like the Holy Spirit for our modern age. Have you Googled it? My kids even talk to Google. Hey, Google. They tried it at camping. It didn't work as well, but at camping they went, hey, Google, play. That's right. Google doesn't, isn't everywhere. Holy Spirit is... And it's not of man's wisdom, it's of God's wisdom. It knows God. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. So sometimes the Holy Spirit stuff looks a bit different. Sometimes the Spirit leads us to do something that other people go aren't sure of, but leads us into some incredible places. I see the, um, the gear today, Alex. So I'm picking on you, mate. I just met you 10 seconds ago. However, um, God Squad. John Smith went and thought as a pastor when I'm going to go buy a, um, a, a motorbike and start a bikey gang. Can you imagine some people in their church? You can't, you're not allowed to do that. You go, oh, I am, because I'm going to witness to people. The Holy Spirit's telling me. So it's not written down. I didn't plan on you coming. 
but it's a great example of something that is the Holy Spirit's leading someone to do. Start an entire movement. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? Amen. The Spirit is sometimes not the wisdom of this age, it says, but the personhood of this Spirit is godly wisdom. So call your mum and call the Holy Spirit. It's got some pretty incredible things to say into what's going on in your life right now. My next point when it comes to these situations with our brothers and sisters in this world and in our church, I've said, learn to have a heart of hospitality like my mum. That's unhelpful for a ton of you because you don't know my mum. But I didn't want to say our mums because, again, different mums have different gifts. My mum's gift, there was, was a little bit of a chance she came today and I wouldn't be able to do this because I didn't want to embarrass her. My mum's gift is you will not come to their house and not be fed. They don't care if you're not hungry. <laughs> That's irrelevant. <laughs> you will be fed. I suspect very similar to Lena's house. Um, <laughs> you will be fed and you will be fed well. Now, as our family's grown, different dietary requirements are required. My brother's done natural medicine, and so he's, he has cakes that are made of avocados, where I have cakes that I add some sugar on top. Both, we're very different. <laughs> do, do you know what my mum does? It's not a question of do I, which son do I love more, or should I only, I, I, which what cakes do I love more? That never goes through my mum's mind. She's like, when it comes to our family events, we'll have both. She'll make some stuff that's made of avocados and peanuts. I don't know. What, I, don't know I don't know. You can tell. Sorry. I'll try them. I'd try. I'd, we, we, divisions in the family, but we try. Um, that's good. It's good for them. And, it, and he's way thinner and way more fit than me. So he's maybe onto something. Um, I digress. <laughs> but there's this hospital. She doesn't think about oh, I don't really feel like making this today. She's notorious for asking uh, the daughters-in-laws to bring like a salad or something and then making another three salads just in case their salad's not enough. Uh, almost a division in our family, but she can't help herself. She just wants to feed you. And imagine if we had, imagine if you could learn from my mum, then half these things in Corinthians wouldn't even be a thing. They're like, oh, am I allowed to do that? I don't really want to do that. I, I, do you know what? I know that idols aren't real. They don't, mums don't care about that. They care about the person, serving them, making them feel at home. Can you imagine every interaction with our brothers and sisters here and out there? We prayed to the Holy Spirit. We said, hey, I'm not there to tell them what they're doing wrong or right today. Maybe... Sometimes it's some challenge, as we talked about last week. Hey, I'm not there to get them to see my point of view. God, just make, let us feel at home. Let me love them. Let me serve them. Yes, serving is challenging sometimes, but let me welcome them in. So they have dietary requirements. If they're a little bit worried, if they've got alcoholism in the past, if they've got addiction issues, I'm not going to serve them a beer. I'll get over it. I'll be all right. 
because I'm just going to love them. I'm going to look out for them. Hospitality. And funny enough, I talked about people in here that may not have the best mum experience. My mum won't mind me sharing this, but her mum experience was quite dark. And that's why she's the mum she is now, because the Holy Spirit met her and changed her. And she thought, I'm not going to be that mum. I'm going to be a whole different mum. And I'm obviously pretty thankful for that. And so are the 40 kids she's had fostered in and out of the house. Because she thought, I'll be a mum, not to just these four kids. And her first child, she did a pretty good job. So she's like, I could do this a lot more. (laughs) Now, I'm pretty sure I'm the reason she almost didn't take any more kids. Um, (laughs) What have I done to him? But God is good. Um, She actually, she's had 40 foster care kids in and out of the house after my youngest. Two of them have stuck, so I've got two younger brothers because she wanted to feed more. And I know Lena, their swelling family, and many here are the same, where they take kids in and they love them, like their own. It's not a question. It's not even a question for them. Should we do this? Should we not do this? Of course, we love people. Amen? So if if we had the attitude of our mums, these things wouldn't be an issue. What we can get away with, what am I allowed to do, would just be let's serve and love them. Amen? Imagine when it came to food, tradition and culture. Instead of saying, what can I get away with? What am I allowed to do? (laughs) Imagine if we asked, what could I do? How could I serve? How could I show hospitality to my neighbour? The question is not then whether I'm allowed to do this. What can I get away with? It's how do I listen to the Spirit and show hospitality in this? It's a different question. It's a different posture. It's what it means to be a Christian. And my last point builds on that. Imagine if we wanted the best for everyone like our mums want for us. Again, not always the case. But as a general rule, even in their broken ways, mums want the best for their kids. Dads do too. Again, if you're sitting there and your dad going, I do too. I know, Father's Day will come. (laughs) But there's a special type of worry for their kids that mums, in my broad strokes here, have, I reckon, if I'm allowed to say that. Can I give you an example? The other night, me and my wife, quite quiet, just sitting, thinking about things. I did for a second wonder if I'd done something wrong. We were both work, but I was also pretty quiet too. And just about to go to bed, I said, what's, what's on your mind? You've been a bit quiet tonight. And she was thinking about her oldest daughter and some grades she's getting and what, what she needs to do to help her and some anxiety stuff she's feeling, what we could do to help her. And she was just really worried. And I know God says, don't worry, of course, we're going to give it to God, of course. But there's a special worry that I know that she didn't sleep well that night because she was worried because she wants best for our daughter. There's a special type of worry because she wants, at the heart of it, she wants what's best for her kids. And I know we've got to give that up for those that don't have Christian Uh, Jesus following kids I know it must be so difficult to give that to God I know you've got to give it to God but I know it doesn't stop you worrying, praying for them wanting the best for them she said why are you so quiet and this is the difference I was thinking about dead set which room if there was a zombie apocalypse would we barricade (laughs) not making this up and I said and I know you want to know the answer to it it's a garage 
Because if I rang Mez and said, get the kids and we'll go to the garage and then I'll back the car in and we'll jump in and I'll sing about what tools we'd need to grab for the zombie fighting. Um, I love my kids. I think about my kids, but there's a different reserved worry and care in the minds of our mums. And so, yes, a very deep thought at that moment. Imagine if we wanted the best for everyone like our mums want for us. Let's just, let me read just a little bit more of 1 Corinthians 10, 23. I have the right to do anything, says Paul, or you say. He's doing call and response. So he goes, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. For anything sold in the meal market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord and everything in it. We know that. He goes, everything's the Lord's. I can allowed to eat that. Not the point. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go eat wherever, whatever is put before you, without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and the sake of conscience. How good's that? It's just putting that person first. You go somewhere, maybe you go to eat at neighbours that Islamic and they give you halal food or they give food that's a certain, I don't know all the different types of religions, but you go to food that's been offered something and at first he says, just eat it. God knows your conscience. You're there for them. But if they say, hey, this has been offered, then they know you have convictions and you can say, no, no, I won't do that. And you're respecting each other. It's beautiful. But you notice that none of this is focused on ourselves. It's raising questions of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. It says, for why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, the common good, so that they may be saved. We live in a strange, divided world. We live in a destructive and tempting season, full of vices and distractions, things that rob, destroy and kill. And when we have to make it through, it's easy to make it through today, but then we have Monday mornings. And we have to discern what to do, how to be Christians in this world. How much can I have? What am, what, what am I allowed to do? Am I allowed to do? How close to the line of sin can I get, God? Paul is saying simply, you're asking the wrong questions. The question is, how far can I run this way towards God? Not in some religious, holy way, because God says the, most, most, the biggest way you can be religious and holy is love God and each other. So he's saying, run to God and run to each other.
Three things today. Call your mum, yes. Four things. <laughs> but give the spirit a call. Wake up and ask the spirit to be involved in your day. Then you can Google, then you can Facebook, then you can do your to-do list. First thing should be give the spirit a call. And um, maybe as I just found an app, and I'm happy to share it, Lectio 365 it's called, and it gives a prayer at the end of the day. And it offers the day that's been to the spirit. It's beautiful. If you want to know about it, we're, we're loving it. But we, we try to finish the day offering the day that's been to God. And tomorrow we're excited. Grow a heart of hospitality. It's not about you. You've already been saved. You've been given everything through Christ. Time to share. And seek the best for others. I say all this to note again, make sure you're connected to the one who gives this all to you. Don't do it on your own back. Remember that Christ died for you. He wants to pour out his spirit. He wants to give you the energy. He doesn't want you to grow weary. But in all these things, seek him, grow in a heart of hospitality and actually want the best for the person beside you. Actually seek him like a mum would worry about a child. I want the best for this person. The let, half the letter would be missing if the Corinthians church were doing that. They wouldn't be having these silly little fights because they'd be looking out for each other. Amen? Let me pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And we'll keep um, moving on with our day. Father God, the world is highly complex. There are questions in the moment that only we can answer. Let us be a church that isn't asking what we're allowed to get away with. Let us be a church that isn't, I don't know, just trying to pursue the flesh. Let us be a church running the other way towards God and each other. Let us be a church that is known for hospitality. That no one walks in this place without being fed, literally, but also spiritually. No one walks in this place without being welcomed and loved. That's my prayer. And then let us look for the best of each other like a mum worrying, losing sleep over a child. Let us give it to you, but at the same time, let us care for each other. Want the absolute best for the person beside us. Like the good Samaritan who picked up a half-dead person, washed them, and then paid for the rest for the nights in the hotel and for them to be restored while the religious priest walked straight by. Let us be like the good Samaritan, looking for the benefit of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our final song.